Today's reading is 1 Peter 3, 13 through 17. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning, everyone. Okay, happy 4th of July weekend. Okay, only I'm excited about that. Okay, good. Speak holiday, 240th birthday of the United States tomorrow. Uh, so it's the day you get to celebrate your escape from the dastardly English and their perfidious tea laws. <laughs> yes, freedom. So um, uh, this is an interesting one for Hannah and myself because this is our first 4th of July since we became United States citizens. So we get to celebrate as well. And, and uh, I thought this would be a perfect opportunity to test just how good citizens you are of the United States of America. So you all need to get a pen and paper or your phone out, something you can write answers down. Come on, do it quickly. You're all going to do this. It's a quick test. Okay, so none of this I'm going to do it in my head because I'm going to measure mark myself. No, that doesn't count. Okay, because when Hannah and I became citizens, we had to sit before a U.S. immigration official and answer 10 questions out of this book of uh, 100 questions of civics lessons to the United States. So I thought, because you lot have been born and bred in all this, you'd be excellent at it. So um, here are uh, questions. These are questions taken from the actual test, so write the answers down really quick uh, as we go. So the first question is this. What is the name of the ocean on the east coast of the United States of America? <laughs> write it down. Yes, it's a high standard to become a U.S. citizen, I can tell you. <laughs> Question number two. Name the Speaker of the House of Representatives. No cheating, by the way. I'm watching some of you. Just, this is not a group debate. This is solo. All right, Hannah and I didn't sit together and answer it, all right? <clears throat> Name the Speaker of the House of Representatives. Number three. What is the last day in which you can send in your federal income tax forms? That's one of the questions. It's a real question in the test. What is the last day on which you can send in your federal income tax forms? Jesse knows this. He has this posted above his bed, doesn't he? So question number four. What do we call the first ten amendments to the Constitution? Write it down quickly. The first ten amendments to the Constitution, they are called something. Question five. The House of Representatives has how many voting members? The House of Representatives has how many voting members? It's a number. Three-digit number. <laughs> All right, some of you look puzzled. Number six. What is the name of the Chief Justice? What is the name of the Chief Justice? Okay. It's not the Queen, no. Number seven, who wrote the Declaration of Independence? 
Who wrote the Declaration of Independence? Uh, Going to rattle through. Like, three more to go. Number eight. What did Susan B. Anthony do? What did Susan B. Anthony do? Okay. Number nine. Who was the president during World War I? Who was the president during World War I? And final question, number 10, really easy. When was the Constitution written? When was the Constitution written? All right, we're going to give you the answers now. Here we go, marking. You need to be honest. Don't forget, this is a church, so Jesus is watching. (laughs) Question number one. (laughs) The ocean is... Well done, the Atlantic... Question number two, the Speaker of the House of Representatives is Paul Ryan. Number three, the last day you could send in your federal income tax forms, Jesse, is April 15th. No, so the 16th or the 14th, nil point, okay, April 15th. Question number four, the first ten amendments to the Constitution are called the Bill of Rights. Number five. The House of Representatives has how many voting members? Well done, 435, Steve. Wow. If you said any other number, it's wrong. No squibbling over, all right? It doesn't count. That's a fail. Number six, the name of the Chief Justice is John G. Roberts. If you put Roberts, I'll let you have it. If you put John by itself, no. No good. Number seven, who wrote the Declaration of Independence? Thomas Jefferson, two people said. Number eight, what did Susan B. Anthony do? So you can have two answers are acceptable here. One is she fought for women's rights, or secondly, fought for civil rights. So if you've got either of those, you get the point. Any other answer, no good. Uh, Number nine, who was president during World War I? Woodrow Wilson, WW, there we go. And number 10, when was the Constitution written? Who said 1776? Okay, you're wrong. That's Declaration of Independence. Constitution is 1787. All right, add up your score. Get your score quickly. If you did it in your head and didn't write it down, you get minus four, because we don't believe you, whatever number you're claiming. All right, we're going to do a quick test. Everyone stand up. Stand up. All right, listen in. If you got 10 out of 10, you've got everything correct, you can sit down. Anyone sitting down? Eric Barmer. Whoa. Anyone else? Over here, there's some. Who's at the back? Give me a name, I can't see. Kurt Simonson. Whoa, the academics are in the house. All right, if you got nine correct, you can sit down. I'm not going to name check you all. If you got nine correct, sit down. If you got eight out of ten, sit down. Oh, a few more now. If you got seven out of ten, sit down. If you got six out of ten, six da- sit down. Okay, now this is the interesting point. Everyone else still standing, those of you sitting around can look at them, because everyone standing, 
is about to be deported. <laughs> because the pass, you have to get six out of ten or above to qualify as a citizen. I'm sorry, you've blown it. All right, you can all sit down. Well done. <laughs> wow, that was fascinating. There we go. There's going to be debate about the fairness of those questions, but they're all, you can go look them up online. They're all, they're all in a test. And, and the fourth, July 4th is interesting because it's this time where uh, we get to retell the story of this country and the high points and the low points and the nuances and, and part of what makes the character and nature of this country and why people feel loyalty and why people would choose to come and be citizens here and why you choose to remain citizens here. It's part of the, the story of the nation as, as, we, as we recount uh, the stuff that's gone on through history. And today, uh, what we're going to look at is the importance of telling the story of Jesus and how as we get to tell the story of Jesus and live that out, uh, it, it shapes not only us, but shapes the world and the environment around us. And in particular, what I want to do is to uh, encourage you and help you feel greater confidence and boldness in sharing your experience of Jesus with others. Now, now, just a word of qualification at the beginning would be, I know some of you here might be going, well, I'm not quite sure exactly what I think about Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm on the journey, but I'm not sure I'm quite, you know, haven't got it all sorted. And I want to say to you, that's okay. That's okay. None of us have got everything taped, all right? We're all in this, this journey of encountering more of Jesus. But as much of Jesus as you've experienced, you can share about that. And, and also, kind of the flip side of that is, if you're genuine in that place of going, I'm not quite sure where I am, but I'm exploring, or I'm here today, to, you know, perhaps to support a family or friends who's, uh, with some of the celebrations that are going on. Um, again, I, I think I just want to be honest with you in saying, if you do get to the place where you're saying, I am committing to following Jesus, then part of the deal is you tell your story to others. Part of the expectation Jesus has of us who are his followers who are Christians, is that we share about our faith with others. That's part of what it means to be a Christian. Again and again, Jesus in the Gospels encourages us to be bold in sharing what it means to follow him with others. So, so that's a bit of context. And what we're going to do is we're going to go back to our Bible reading, in particular to one verse. Uh, so if you've got a Bible, you can turn to it. It's going to be on the screen as well. So 1 Peter 3.15. So it's on the screen if you, if you don't have a Bible. If you, if you uh, need a Bible, they're actually under your seats, and it's on page 1016 uh, if you want to look at it there in context. And what I'm going to do is give you four quick points out of uh, this verse which help me tell the story of Jesus. I hope they help you. And with each of these points, there's going to be a, a practical question or application that you can take away and, and run with. So again, as you got your pen and paper out earlier or your phone, you're going to want to write down these four applications that I give you because they'll be really useful for you in, in thinking about how you share the story of Jesus. So here's the first thing. Uh, this passage begins, in your hearts honour Christ the Lord as holy. Honour Christ as Christ the Lord as holy. Honour him, revere him, sanctify him. Other ways you could translate this. And what this starts us off by is this. The big question that's being asked by that is, is Jesus fully part of your story? 
as you, as you think about your life, as you recount the stories of your life, like we could recount the stories of this nation, as you recount the stories of your life, is Jesus very much entwined with that story? Uh, the phrase that is used here by Peter is, honour Christ the Lord as holy, or honour Christ as Lord. And that word Lord, or, or the concept of lordship, is interesting because it's not one we use very much in our culture. Um, and so I was trying to think of some illustrations of what it could, could be like. A, a couple of examples for you. Uh, last week, Hannah was away for a few days, so I got, got control of the remote control, and um, we had a free uh, tester of HBO, so I turned it on one day. Oh, I wonder what's on HBO. I was really excited. And it was Game of Thrones. Anyone watch Game of Thrones in here? Okay, so basically, it's like this medieval battle. Lots of people, bows and arrows and swords and arms being lopped off and blood spurting out, and it's wonderful. Really exciting TV. And um, I should have been watching from before. So this big battle scene, and you can tell there's two armies, and even without knowing the plot, there's a lord over each of the armies, and he's totally in charge. There's a goody lord, because he looks a bit worried by it all, and he's biting his lip, and there's a baddie lord, because he's snarling and wearing black. So that's how you tell the difference. Um, and as that was deep movie exegesis there. Jeff Jensen would be very proud of me at that. Um, so uh, it's, it's, it, but you look at it and you see these, their underlings refer to him as the Lord, as Lord, what do you want to do? Another example, uh, if you were in, um, if you like the movie, kind of more action-y movies, like say Thor, those ones that are based upon the kind of the Nordic gods and how they refer to someone who is their Lord, and they're in absolute obedience to them. They will die for their Lord. Or maybe a, a more modern version is if you like the kind of the gangster movies, movies like The Godfather, and again, the kind of submission to the Godfather of that mafia clan. You gave him your complete loyalty, your complete fealty, because he is your Lord. And um, whilst those are perhaps all negative images, they, they do capture something of this sense of, uh, when it says here, honour Christ the Lord as holy, what that means is he has absolute sovereignty over us. You've submitted to him fully. You are willing to even die at his command, at his say-so. That's what it means to follow Jesus. And you may go to me, well, yeah, Jesus is in top spot in my life. And it kind of, it's easy for us to say that in our, in our comfortable kind of middle-class culture. So here's the test. Here's the test if you think Jesus is in charge of your life. As you tell the story of your life, who is the hero? As you tell the story of your life, who is the hero? It's very easy, I find, to make myself the hero of my stories. I did this thing, and honestly, I was so wonderful. You'd have been amazed. You just want to be like me. You know, those are the sorts of stories that are easy to tell. But if, if we're truly committed to following Jesus, as we tell the stories of our life, the hero is Jesus. We point to him. So, honour Christ as Lord. Who is the hero of your story? Second step, Peter writes, always being prepared. The end of the second line there. Always being prepared. Always be prepared. Uh, if you want to be effective at sharing the story of Jesus, you must always be prepared, be ready. And for me, this speaks about expectancy and prayer. In other words, we should be people who expect 
to have opportunities to share about our faith in Jesus. And there's not just going to be that one time once in our life, but it should be an ongoing expectancy as we go to work, as we go to school, as we're with our friends and our neighbours and our family. There should be an expectancy in us that we will get to share about Jesus. And that's built around a, a, a prayerfulness as well. Let me give you an example of that. In uh, the book of Acts, uh, in Acts chapter 4, if you want to look, it's on page 912 in the Pew Bibles. And uh, there's this situation where uh, the early church believers have started to share about their faith in Jesus, and uh, they're being persecuted for this. And Peter and John have had this being roughed up and sent to jail, and eventually they're let out, and they come back together with the other Christians. And uh, it says this, let's go to verse 29 of Acts 4. And, and the believers get together and they start praying. And here's some of their prayer. They say, And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Uh, what we're being told here is that sharing our faith is not an optional upgrade for a holy few. It's not just something that people do whose last name happens to be Hoosman and the rest of us are off the hook. This is for all of us. That was a joke, by the way, in case you're worried. Um, this is for all of us. And uh, I love this sense that in the early church here where they are praying and saying, God, even in the midst of opposition, please help me to be, have greater boldness to share about you. Even in the face of opposition and hostility, even in a difficult climate to be a Christian, would you help me to be bold in, shelling, in telling the story of Jesus? And when I read this, when I look at that, uh, I want to pray the same thing. I want to pray, God, would you use me more? Would you use me more? Would you help me to share about my faith? Would you help me to point people to Jesus, even when I'm nervous and scared and worrying about what people are going to think? Would you give me greater boldness and tenacity? And um, I wanted to give you a practical application for that, and it's this. The practical application of, of um, being prepared, of, of being expectant and prayerful is this. Who specifically are you praying for by name that they will become a follower of Jesus? Who specifically are you praying for by name that they will come to experience Jesus? For me, the best thing that I could wish for anyone whom I love and I care for, family members, friends, neighbors, is that they become followers of Jesus because I think that's the best gift you could wish for anyone. Because Jesus changes everything. He transforms us. He, he brings hope and life and, and purpose and destiny and identity into, into us. And so, uh, I, I pray for specific people by name. And I want to challenge you. Who are you praying for by name on a regular basis? And if you're not, then a practical thing you can do is maybe um, perhaps brainstorm down some names of folks and just make a commitment. And maybe if you've got a list of them, you could perhaps divide them up for different days of the week. Make a little prayer card. On Mondays, I'm going to pray for so-and-so. Tuesdays, for someone else. If it's just a short list, perhaps you could say, I'm going to pray for these people every day. A and make that part of your discipline. You know, stick that card in your Bible or in the place where you sit and pray each day. 
and say, I'm going to make this part of what I do is following Jesus. I'm going to pray specifically for these people, these people I know and care for, that they, I will have an opportunity to share with them about Jesus and they will encounter him. And you can pray for boldness in doing that. So that's the second thing. Be prepared and the application is who are you praying for? The third uh, thing is this middle chunk of this, this sentence here. So Paul writes, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. So we are to be able to make a defense or give an answer to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Let me give you an example of this. Uh, When I was young, single, and even more handsome... um, at the centre of my own story. Perhaps not. Uh, but uh, when uh, we was, I was single and then when I was engaged to Hannah, uh, I was at uh, seminary, uh, which was fine, but I had these long vacations. And during them, I worked for a travel company, a Christian travel company. We did trips all over Europe and, and uh, winter skiing trips and stuff. But uh, one of the summer trips I did was we went to Malaysia. And I was given a group of about 25 people. And we flew from London out to, we went uh, on Royal Jordanian Airlines, so it must have been a deal, and we went to Amman to change planes in Jordan, and um, we're in the airport, and uh, our flight was then delayed by a number of hours, and so we're with the group, and everyone's getting to know each other, and most of the folks on the trip were, were followers of Jesus, it didn't have to be, but most of them were, and so we just like sat around, people started getting food out and sharing, and people playing games, and, and just turning a, you know, what could be an annoying situation into something quite fun and, and jolly. And uh, so we were there as a group, and so I was joining in with everyone, and at one point I I went off to the bathroom, and on the way back uh, I noticed there was a couple sitting on on a couple of chairs just near us watching our group, and I knew they were English because you could tell by the pale translucence of their skin. (laughs) They hadn't yet, they were clearly going on holiday because they hadn't, because if they were returning they would have been pink from sunburn. Uh, so they were on their way out, and so I stopped and said, oh, hi, are you from England? I go, yeah. Um, they said, we're on our honeymoon. We're going, we're going out to Malaysia. And I said, oh, we're on the same flight. It's frustrating being delayed, isn't it? And they said, yeah, it's really annoying. And they said, and there was this pause, and the guy looks at the group. He says, how come you lot are so happy? And I said, well, we're, 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 we're on this trip as well, but we're, we're this Christian group, and we just thought we'd try and make the best of this difficult situation. And he goes, well, how does that work then? And so we started talking about uh, what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And, and yeah, you know, you have tough times and sometimes you do say, you know, bad words and all the rest of it in, the, in stress at the moment. But um, we were just trying to have a different perspective on how you live life. And so we started asking more and more questions about who is this Jesus and what difference does he make? And his wife's joining in as well, uh, sitting on these airport seats in Jordan, waiting to go on, the second, on their honeymoon trip. And after about three quarters of an hour, they'd asked all these questions. And I, I just felt like this in the ribs from Jesus. So I said, it sounds to me like you'd like to start to follow Jesus. Would you like to do that? And he, he looks at his wife and goes, yeah, we'd love to do that. So there and then in the airport, we prayed for them to become followers of Jesus, which is a wonderful wedding gift for Jesus to have given them. We kept in touch and they, they got embedded in a church and, and all the rest of it. But the thing that had attracted them was just simply watching the response of a bunch of followers of Jesus to a really, you know, not an enormous difficulty, but one of those really niggly annoying situations of life. And uh, God has spoken to them in that situation. And what it reminds me of is that as followers of Jesus, we should look and smell different. You could turn to your neighbor and say, you should smell different. 
We should look and smell different. There should be something about us that's distinctive in a, in a positive way. Uh, our reactions and responses to the good and to the bad stuff of life should have something about them that really resonates with, with uh, how people expect Jesus to look and to be. Uh, Hannah uh, was, uh, is wonderful at doing this, and one of our neighbors in Ohio, where we used to live, was sitting chatting with Hannah about all sorts of spiritual things of life, and she was really wrestling with this stuff. And at one point, she turned to Hannah and said, um, uh, I wrote it down to get the phrase right here. She turned to Hannah and, and said, I want what you've got. Is that right? She said, I want what you've got. When I first heard that, I thought she probably meant me, but apparently she didn't mean that. <laughs> Hannah assured me she was referencing Jesus. <laughs> so she, she saw the difference that Jesus made in Hannah's life. She said, I want what you've got. And isn't that wonderful when you hear those things? I'm sure a number of you had those, have had those situations. And I promise you, people are watching. Absolutely guarantee you, people are watching you. If you're if you've dared to put your head above the parapet at work or at school with your neighbours, with the family, and they know you're a Christian, they are watching to see whether how you live measures up to what you say you live like. They're watching you, which is good. That's, that's a great opportunity. And um, very simply, I want to encourage you, um, as Peter encourages us here, always be able just to be able to share the story of Jesus in your life. Now, you may think, well, I don't have all the answers, and, and I'm not very good with, with theology stuff yet, and I haven't got it all sorted, to which I want to just say, hey, just calm, calm down a moment here, because you're not God's defense attorney. You're not God's defense attorney. You don't need to have all the answers. Now, use your brain. I'd really encourage you to read up stuff, learn about why it is rational and reasonable to be a follower of Jesus. I believe there's excellent evidence for the resurrection being a historical event, that Jesus is a real person who did uh, live and walk on the earth, that the Bible is something which is thoroughly dependable according to the ancient manuscripts we have of it. And, and, and just you could go through the doctrines of Christianity. It's a reasonable, sensible uh, a rational thing to believe in, to be a follower of Jesus. Yet nevertheless, the thing that you uniquely have is a story. You have a story of how Jesus has interacted with you. You have a story of what God has done in your life. And you may go, it's just a teeny whiny little story. To which I say, that's okay. Just tell your teeny whiny little story. That little moment, how Jesus was faithful, how that time when things were really tough and you prayed and you felt God provided or God gave you a direction or God came through in some way. You can tell those stories. You can tell them and you could tell them in the arc of the big story of your life, the major moments. You can look back to kind of the, the, some of the key things that the, in the medium run and also just the current things, the now things. Oh, last Thursday there was this weird thing happening with a car and da 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 and you just tell a simple little story as well. All of us have a story to tell. And um, you might be able to have theological understanding, insight to put with that wonderful. But don't, don't be hamstrung by a lack of that. Because you can be ready at any time to say, well, this is why I have a hope. This is why I, I try to live differently. This is why hopefully I look and smell a little different. You can do that. So 
The, the third point I want to give you, is, it was just to recap, is the, that when, when we're told to have an answer for, for to have a defense, for anyone asks you for a reason for the hope that you have, it's tell your story whenever you can. So we've had three lessons. You, who is the hero of your story? Who are you praying for? Tell your story whenever you can. The fourth one, finally, very quickly, is this. Uh, this little verse ends with this phrase. Do this, tell, in other words, tell about your faith. Do it with gentleness and respect. Do it with gentleness and respect. Let me ask you a question to illustrate this. What's the golden rule? All right, it is. <laughs> so you're saying, do unto others as you'd like to have done to you, something like that. That is the golden rule, unless you are one of the shorter members of the Absalom household, uh, in which case the golden rule is when they kind of the boy, our boys are asking us, you know, Dad, I want to do this, it's not fair, why can't we have that? The golden rule is, it's very simple, he who makes the gold makes the rules. That's how it works in the Absalom household. <laughs> we are not a democracy. Hannah and I run a benign dictatorship. Otherwise, we would live in Disneyland and eat pizza and ice cream for every meal, but we don't. So um, our children, that's the, that's the golden rule in our house. Uh, but if you go back to the real golden rule, think about this. How would, how would you like to be treated if someone was sharing something important to them with you? Even if it's something they're passionate about and they really believe in deeply. Uh, I, I'd want them to treat me with, with a gentleness a kindness, a softness. It's not, it's not harsh and abrasive and um, you know, aggressive and angry. That's, that's never attractive. That's never appealing. Uh, the Bible has uh, a couple of very interesting verses, well, a number, but here's a couple I, I found about the power of being gentle. Uh, in Proverbs 25, 15, it says, a gentle tongue can break a bone. Isn't that an interesting verse, an uh, interesting proverb? A gentle tongue can break a bone. That was Proverbs 25, 15. Uh, uh, God reveals himself as a gentle God. Uh, 1 Kings 19, you know, the story of Elijah on the mountain and, and this earthquake goes past and a storm goes past and fire goes past, but God's not in them. What God reveals himself to Elijah in is the gentle whisper. God is a gentle God. We read in Matthew 11 how Jesus uh, comes in gentleness and humility of heart. So our God, although he's all-powerful, is also a gentle God. So we need to learn to be gentle. Then the other word that Peter uses here is respect. And respect, for me, speaks about valuing people as individuals. It's about um, recognizing that God has created all people, and all people have inherent worth and value. And so we need to be honoring of that. And it, whilst we might disagree with people about, about some, some things, that doesn't mean we treat them disrespectfully. And um, when, I, when I look at the, that, those, those two words, being gentle and respectful, uh, what that speaks to me about is this. Uh, your actions tell a story. Your actions tell a story. So you see, it's all very well us being people who, who talk about Jesus and communicate about Jesus. But if our actions don't line up with our words, there's going to be a disconnect. So we're saying, oh, Jesus is wonderful and amazing and you need, to, you need to follow him. And yet we're kind of harsh, snotty, rude people and aggressive and belligerent in how we share. Those two things don't go together. And people see that and they'll go, well, this Jesus isn't worth following. He's not done anything in your life. And so uh, we need to be people who learn how to, to, to live like this. Um, and so, uh, so we remember that as Jesus talks about you know, the golden rule, treating 
uh, others as we would wish to be treated with gentleness and kindness, with respect and love. And so the, the lesson from that is your actions tell a story. So let me recap the four things that I want us to take away from here to reflect upon as we think about telling the story of Jesus. Number one, who is the hero of your story? Number two, who are you praying for daily? Number three, tell your story whenever you can. And number four, your actions tell a story. So make sure it lines up. And I just want to uh, finish by encouraging you. Uh, It's such an amazing privilege that God has wired this universe that he allows you and me to be the ones who tell the next generation to tell others about the difference it is to follow Jesus. I mean, he's God. He could have written, built into the sky, Jesus is Lord, and he could have been there permanently. But he chose not to do that. The way he chooses to help people discover him is through you and me, through the prism of our personalities and our characters and our passions and our interests. And so um, I think we need to embrace that more and have a greater level of faith that actually God can use us in the here and now, in all our imperfections and uniqueness and weirdness, uh, God loves to use us. And so what I want to do right now is pray for us, pray for myself, pray for all of us, that we would have the boldness that we read about in the Acts of the Apostles, that we would uh, be able to uh, tell others when we have the opportunity about the difference that Jesus makes. So, um, So is that all right? Can we do that now? Would that be okay? Pray for that. So why don't you stand with me? I'm going to pray. And um, you can join in in your hearts and, and make this your own prayer. So, Lord Jesus, thank you that you invite us to join with you in the adventure of telling others about the difference that you make. We're we're sorry for the times when we've uh, been too scared or too anxious and we've, we've missed the opportunities and we've all had those times and we say sorry for those times. But we don't want to be held back by them either. And so we say, Lord, would you give us opportunities to tell others about you? to tell bits of our story, to to point out uh, instances where you've come through in our lives, where you're close to us, where your peace is with us, your presence or uh, your direction or your healing or your wisdom or your instruction. The hope that you pour into us, our experiences of your love, your goodness. Lord, thank you that uh, you love to use our unique stories to communicate your universal story. So we, we pray like the early church did, Lord God, would you fill us with boldness to tell others about you, to, in, in natural, authentic ways, ways that, that are full of gentleness and respect, but are still bold. Lord, we thank you that this is the most loving thing we can do for anyone to point them to you, to just to, in a gracious, kind way, to, to say, this is what Jesus has done for me. Lord, I, I pray that, uh, to use the phrase Lou used the other week, that you would raise that water table of faith in, this, in our church, 
that we would become more comfortable and more adept at sharing our stories of faith. And we would see, uh, we'd have the joy of seeing many people added into your kingdom in the months ahead as a result of this. Lord, thank you today that we've seen stories of faith told through the families uh, dedicating their young children. Lord, this, this, thank you for the sign. We'll see that in, in a few minutes' time with the baptism of, of Micaiah. And Lord, I pray that would stir all of us to remember that you can use us to tell others about you. So Lord, thank you for that privilege. Fill us afresh with your spirit and help us to be bold in looking for these opportunities in the days and weeks ahead. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.